0: the scream my name. make you shout now, honey. Make you shout.
1: Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org org is the place for you. For the music fan, We bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution.
0: Shout now, make you shout. Make
1: you shout. Make you shout. and now here's an indie blues double shot from our featured artist today, Grant Dermody and Frank Fatoski. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs.
2: Mama told Papa, be quiet as a mouse. Papa climbed up to the top of the house. He made a lot of whooping, made a lot of noise. Stood up the gym with the rest of the boys. Babies in the cradle, brothers on the town. Sisters in the parlor trying on the gown. Mama's in the kitchen messin' all around, Papa's on the house type and won't come down. Well, the blues, they come, yes, the blues, they come, nobody knows where the blues come from. The blues, they come and the blues, they go, every boy's happy when the old blues go, the baby's in the Mama's in the kitchen messing all around. Papa's on the housetop, it won't come down. Well, Papa saw a chicken out in the yard, picked up a rock and hit it hard. Hit it hard and killed it dead. Now the chicken's in the gravy and the gravy's on the bread. Baby's in the cradle, brother's on the town. Sister's in the parlor, trying on a gown. Mama's in the kitchen messing all around. Papa's on Is lonesome for you hey hey your dad is lonesome for you well I ain't gonna tell you no lie your dad is about to die hey hey your dad is
1: Frank Fatusky from their brand new release. And we got uh, Grant and Frank on the line right now. Hey, guys, how are you?
3: Hey, doing good. Doing good. How are you? I'm doing
1: well. Now, this is the first time you guys have been on the show, and we always like to give our fans an opportunity to get to know who you are and get to know you know, who you are as artists. And the best way to do that is, is through your journey how you got to where you are today. So, give us the story of Frank and Grant, and of course, your story individually. How you got to where you are today.
4: I'll let you kick that off, Grant. <laughs> I was
3: just going to say, go ahead, Grant. <laughs> um, well, let's see. I, uh, I my name's Grant Dermody. I grew up in Seattle, Washington, and. Um, I, uh, I'm a harmonica player, and I uh, my path with the harmonica started off with the Chicago blues sound of uh, Little Walter and Walter Horton and James Cotton and just you know all of the greats that I admired, and I I still like to play that kind of music. But I started getting into acoustic blues when I started teaching at the Port Townsend Country Blues Workshop and also the Augusta Heritage um, Center in West Virginia, they have a Blues Week. So I started hanging out with people like John Cephas, John Jackson, uh, Ethel Caffey Austin, Del Rey, um, uh, all kinds of uh, Honey Boy Edwards, all kinds of uh, older blues musicians. And I really started to fall for that kind of music and how much different it is you know, especially from a harmonica perspective, what you, um, what's required of you to play that kind of music. So John Jackson was one of the guys that I um, really took to. He became a mentor. It's, it's actually funny that because John Jackson and John Cephas are two of my strongest mentors, and neither one of them plays harmonica. <laughs> but they, uh, but they, were, they, were, they taught me a lot about how to play music and how to move through the world. And so through John Jackson's manager, Trish Byerly, I met Frank in 2003, and we hit it off, musically and personally, and we've been playing together ever since.
1: Okay. And how about you, Frank?
4: Yeah, I, I uh, grew up in uh, southern New Jersey, just at the, the north entrance to the Klein Barrens, and, uh, and then I lived up central New York, Syracuse and uh, I uh, it was my grandmother that originally got me into music she was a uh, a piano player and in her uh, early years played uh, was a vaudeville piano player and uh, and then you know and she was also in uh, Helen Hayes touring group and then she met my grandfather but she never stopped being an entertainer and her house was always uh, piano-centric, I like to call it. And she was kind of equidistant from all of her children. So whether we gathered there as a as one family or all of her children were there and all the grandkids were there, it was always centered around the piano. And she played anywhere from Tin Pan Alley to jazz to blues and she was just a, a, a consummate player in, in all those styles. And, she, and we always gathered around the piano. And uh, I was a frustrated piano player. It was too logical of an instrument for me. I could never take to it. But at that time, I had, had started out on, uh, playing the banjo when I was 12. And I was listening to, uh, was attra- you know, grew up watching hee-haw. Uh, but was really attracted to the playing of of uh roy clark uh on banjo but also as a multi-instrumentalist and there was another guy there uh it was uh, buck trent he was part of the studio band on uh Keehaw, and great banjo player so i started there uh but at that time i was all i shared a room with my older brother and he was bringing home these albums had, uh, you know grateful dead albums David Bromberg albums, uh, Paul Butterfield albums. Uh, and then, you know, hearing, you know, some of that music on there, it's like, wow, you know, this is great, what they were doing with the guitar. And then reading the liner notes, you know, like, who's and Gary Davis? Who's Blind Blake? And I uh, was really attracted to that music because that music was very piano-sounding. So I said, wow, I can do this on the guitar. So then I, you know, uh, put down the banjo and picked up the guitar and was attracted to that Piedmont-style piano-esque type music. And then, uh, you know, grew through the years with that and then, you know, meeting guys that, you know, being fortunate to meet guys that uh, played that that sat at the the, uh, the feet of the of greats. Uh, I became, you know, other guys that became my mentors, mentors were uh, Paul Jeremiah, uh, Roy Bookbinder, uh, and then I met uh, John Jackson. First I met John Jackson very briefly at the 1983 Philly Folk Festival. And then, you know, a few years went by Uh, and then I met him and we became fast friends and uh, and like Grant had said uh, you know my attraction was for guitar playing but after meeting John he enveloped you with his humanity and his love for just uh, being human and uh, so that really attracted me and you know taught me he was one of the people that taught me how to how to be that way and uh so that that was my attraction and we became very very uh, close friends along with his uh, uh manager uh trish Byerly to this day is uh still a very close friend to both grant and myself
1: okay well let's talk about this new release um when you guys were putting this together, obviously it's a tribute to your mentor. But what really prompted you to kind of um, create this album? What was your your goal for it?
3: Well, um, go ahead. Yeah, it's you know there there comes a time in uh, in a musical relationship where you want to where you need to where you you want to capture what it is that you've got and you know what we so we felt we have um there's a lot of duos out there there's a lot of um harmonica guitar vocal duos out there but we feel that we're you know we're we have a unique sound because we you know because it's us it isn't anybody else and so it felt like it was time to to make a recording and when we started tossing ideas around about how we're going to do the recording, we pretty almost immediately we said, "Well, let's dedicate it to John," and so that um, that had quite a bit to do with the with the songs that were chosen and how they were performed.
4: Okay. Yeah, John, John, his his presence is uh, is uh, John died in two thousand and two, uh, and and I. I don't generally talk in past tense, but I'm just giving you a, a time frame here. Uh, but whenever we're whenever we're together, whenever we're out, John is always there with us when we're playing, <laughs> and we always talk about him in the present because he's here. You know, it's you know we we get a little bit metaphysical about it because uh, you know it's true. I mean, he really is for us. He is always present when we're playing. Okay. So that that's why it came about that you know this this first album of ours, uh, you know, is John's as much on this album as we are. That's true. That's very true.
1: Now I can imagine that his body of work is extensive to say the least. What what was your criteria when you went looking for just the right songs to? to do him justice on this particular release. How did you determine which songs worked? Well, we
4: we, we call this... The the, the album is called Digging in John's Backyard. And these aren't all exclusively John Jackson songs. That said, the the essence of it is John Jackson. We didn't want it to be, be just an album of all John Jackson songs because you know, in our opinion, if you want that, go get a John Jackson album. You know, because it's not going to get any better than that. So this was our approach and a nod to John in this style of music to present and honor John in this genre of music. So, you know, that's... So, you know, when we came about... Uh, you know, picking the tunes, uh, you know, you know, some of them on there are ones that John did, and, you know, some of them aren't. But they were all done, uh, you know, with him in mind.
1: Okay. That's fair enough. Now, yeah. um, let's... I mean, ju- go ahead, Grant. Go ahead. Go, go ahead, Grant. What's your no, take?
3: I, I just um, yeah. There's there's 13 songs on the record. Um, I sing six of them, and Frank sings six, and um, the the other one is a, a song that we both sing called Boats Up River, which is the only one on the record that John Jackson actually wrote. So uh, you know when you're anytime you're you're putting an album together, you're looking at grooves, you're looking at tempos, you're looking at keys, you're looking at all that kind of stuff to try to. You know put together something I, st- I still think that it's important that an album have sequence, that it has a beginning, it has a middle, it has an end, and uh, and that it tells a story along the way. I think it's important to, I still think it's important to make good records because I think the world needs good records. <laughs> and so um, so that's you know that's part of what uh, that's part of the process as well.
1: Okay. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, going into the studio. You know, every artist has their way of working in that environment. In order to capture their sound, w- what is your process when you go into the studio that, that allows you to capture the sound you're looking for?
3: Playing live, doing everything yeah. live that we doing everything live that we can. We're uh, Frank and I are at our best. Um, in an acoustic situation without any microphones just you know if, one of our favorite things is to play a house concert and just use the acoustics of the room and just play off of each other no no PA nothing like that just, just going and so uh, we wanted to capture that as much as we could and the best way to do that is just to play everything live including the vocals
1: okay well especially yeah, there's,
4: uh, an, there's, there's, there's an energy created you know that you is very hard to duplicate when you start to overdub. it tends to, to uh, at least for us uh, to lose its 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 power and uh, you know it's uh, and it's a it's, it's a document of the moment because you know this you know in the parameters of this type of music that we play. You know, although it has a structure, there's plenty of room for uh, improvisation, if you will. And, uh, you know, I get bored pretty easily. uh, And, you know, I don't want to speak for Grant, but I'll say I think he does, too, that we don't like to just play the same song the same way over and over again. So, you know, playing it live brings out that, uh, that spontaneity. And, uh, you know, a little bit of, you know, of good uh, pressure, if you will, to uh, an excitement that uh, really brings it together.
1: Okay. Now, you know, uh, when you record a project today, you've got to put together your team in order to get it out there, create the buzz. And you're working with Patty DeVries of Devious Planet. Uh, tell me a little bit about that relationship
3: well I um, I met patty uh, a couple of years ago I guess um, I had just put out a record uh, an electric blues record called my donny that I recorded in Louisiana with Dirk Powell and um, and some Louisiana musicians and uh, I was shopping it around for publicity um, people to help me with it and Patty jumped on it she liked it a lot and we started working together and um, I just think she's great she's a she works really hard she's uh, believes in in you know us and believes in the project and um, that's just evident by the way she does things and so I um, So when it came time to uh, do publicity for this record, she was there. There wasn't any other choice. It was just we were going to work with Patty.
4: Okay. This is this is is my first uh, venture with Patty, and it's you know I I can concur with uh, you know what uh, Grant has said on how she uh, gets really into the project, and it's been nothing but uh, really a pleasure working with her.
1: Yeah, she's really good at what she does, that's for sure. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about the industry. Now, you guys have been out there, um, and, you know, we've been um, in this digital revolution now for a little over 20 years, and the consumer has embraced streaming as a way to consume music. They pay less, they get more. Uh, but the offshoot of that is the consumer no longer looks at recorded music as a product. You know, it used to be you would buy a CD, you would buy vinyl, you would buy a cassette, whatever the case may be. But now you don't, they don't want to buy it anymore. They don't want to store it on their shelves. They don't want to store it in their phone. They just want to be able to access it, you know, whenever they want it. And, you know, that's just the way it is today. How has this shift in in perception by the consumer affected you guys as artists?
3: well uh, it's hard go ahead well
4: you know I it's it ebbs and flows for me you know sometimes you know uh, I think with the, a lot of the younger crowd uh, uh, they're not buying you know hard copy anymore uh, to you know to that degree although they're buying more vinyl which is pretty incredible uh, but but uh, Usually in the, uh, you, you know, the, the the age group that we play end up playing for, uh, they're still buying product. Uh, so, you know, not it, it's not as, uh, prolific as it used to be, but, you know, they're still selling and, but we're, you know, we're, we're you know, we tap into the, you know, the current way of getting things, you know, uh i mean this this album's not released until uh, january fourteenth so it's not not up on the the uh, streaming sites yet but our, you know all our previous uh, albums uh, you know are up there and you know that's that's how that's out to the to the consumer as well as uh you know our hard copies
1: okay now um One of the things I noticed when the pandemic hit is that a lot of artists started to go on to uh, the Internet. They started to do live streaming. They started working their social media because they had the time now. They weren't on the road. They weren't in the studios. So social media became a way to connect with their fan base. And one of the things I think a lot of the artists started to realize is that They were creating their brand, um, you know, their personal brand. Their their fans were starting to get a glimpse at their lives outside of the stage. You know, what do they do uh, when they do a live stream? You know, this is their living room, and you know, there's that treadmill that they've never used (laughs) except for hanging dirty laundry or whatever. You know, it. So they got a chance to kind of get an inside glimpse almost a reality show mentality of the artist that they listen to and the fans really want that they start to thirst for it now they want more than just uh, a playlist they want to be able to invest into that artist as a person as a brand Um, how are you guys negotiating this whole new world of of content creation and social media marketing
4: yeah well i i did uh a, a fair amount of live streaming uh and, and you know now that it, it things have kicked back up again i'm about to start that again uh but that was that was pretty good uh and it did build the, the fan base bigger Uh, and like you said, and it also created, uh, an intimacy, uh, with the performer. I thought that was, uh, which was nice. I mean, but it's, you know, again, it's hard, uh, you know, for them, for them to look in, like you said, and see, uh, you know, you on that end where you are at home and, and all that's behind the curtain, if you will, uh, but it still lacked, you know, the performance, audience, intimacy, because you're playing to a camera, and you know that that's uh, that was my take on it. I enjoyed
5: it.
1: Well, you know, one yeah. of the th- one of the things I I, I got to notice. Um, was i mean you guys have been out there touring for a while you know um you know what it's like before the pandemic you know pre-pandemic live music had its issues you know you would you know set up for a gig you know 10 people would show up eight of them were blood relatives and everybody was watching the game on the television you know so we had issues before that you know getting people in the door um And on the Internet was this whole group of potential fans that really never had that frame of reference of going to an intimate venue and watching an independent artist create music in the moment, you know, where that that it would never be the same, that what you experienced was a one time thing their reference was going to a large stadium show, hearing the artist perform the music exactly the way it was recorded and generating energy through choreography and costume changes and lights and pyrotechnics and you know all of that jazz. But now you're bringing that experience to them with this whole world of this reality show mentality branding that you do through social media now when they go past that venue and they see that name on the marquee they're going to say hey you know I know that guy or I know these guys I know him from TikTok I know him from Facebook I I you know I did their Facebook shows and and uh Or I know them from Instagram because, you know, he takes pictures of flowers. I don't know, whatever. Um, But it may generate this new resurgence of people going to see these independent artists in these intimate venues creating music in the moment. Do you think that's a possibility?
3: I hope so. I I really think so. I, I I like the way you described that. I I think that that's um yes, I really hope that that does happen because I don't think there's anything like uh you know the way you described it a live intimate performance where the where the audience and the and the performers are communicating with one another. And and um you can't get that on on uh you know doing a facebook feed or or something like that it's uh, like frank said you know you can play great but there isn't any you're not hearing anything coming back from the audience you're just kind of putting it out there and seeing you know kind of just going with how it feels from your end but that give and take there's nothing like that and i i personally hope that that never goes away because i think that that's really that that ability to connect with an audience and take them on a journey, uh, and they they help take you on a journey during a performance. Is there's nothing like it.
4: And I, and, I, and, I, and and like I think what also what Rich was saying was that uh, those live streams kind of create you know created that attraction where these people weren't able to see those performers in an intimate setting, and now they're yeah. going to say hey, I want to go see that.
3: Exactly. You know, yeah, I think that's exactly right.
4: So that was, you know, it was uh, a good uh, way of uh, of attracting people. And I think that will continue even when, you know, maybe not to the degree that it's at, but it'll be now a a new uh, calling card using that uh, forum to, uh, you know, get people out to the, you know, to the touring shows, you know, to the live shows.
1: Well, you know, I, I, I think the artists that I'm finding that are gaining the most success in working their social media and working this world of content creation is that they look at the Internet and social media as a broadcast network. And they look at their brand as almost a reality show, where you're not beating them over the head with, you know, buy my music, listen to my music, buy my music, yada, yada, yada. But you're showing them who you are as people that, you know, it's like the Kardashians, you know, they, they have a line of products that go out, you know, forever, but they don't promote their products on their shows, They promote their brand on their shows. And I think that is going to be the new way of marketing um, independent artists is that you get people to invest into who you are. You know, uh, like, you know, Mindy Abar, uh, she has um, uh, her own line of wines and she does a cooking show on YouTube with her husband. You know, so it's something different than her music, but people endear themselves to that. You know, um, you know, some, you know, I know this one duo that likes to hike in the mountains. So they'll take photographs of where they're hiking and, or, you know, do little TikTok videos of, you know, them writing a song sitting on a cliff overlooking a mountain, you know, valley. Um, you know and these are things that i think the fans gravitate to because it's authentic it's real it's something that they can say i know this person i know who they are as opposed to being just someone on stage you know what i mean
4: yeah it takes, yeah it takes the artist out of the temple
5: right
1: <laughs> well yeah i mean you still can have that you know like Take Taylor Swift, for instance. You know, here's a prime example. She goes around and hunts down her superfans on social media. And then she invites them to her house for a pre release listening party to whatever she's going to release. You know, so she's still in the temple because she's Taylor Swift. Sure. But she has brought herself to her fans
4: right, At She's right. An intimate She's come level. Out of the temple and now she walks among the people
1: right you know david grohl he is yeah. a, a perfect yeah. example yeah. you know where he was doing drum battles with an 11 year old drummer yeah. and ends up you know bringing her on stage to play with the Foo Fighters i yeah. mean you know i mean you know you do a stadium show you're ruined for life there's just no going back from there you know <laughs> um you know uh, yeah you know uh, Randy Travis you know it, it you know all of his issues that he has you know with with MS he still goes on TikTok and and listens to people doing his songs and yep. comments on them you know so you know these are these are things that that artists are doing now to to create their personal brand to cre- to endear their fans to who they are and utilizing this network of um, of social media and the internet, just like you would use television, right, to create their own reality show for their fans and for yeah. potential fans. Yeah, and I think that's the way we're going to be going into the future as far as marketing. You know.
4: Yeah, I, I yeah, I can't I had I can't argue with that. I had I, I had some. Uh, you know, as the when we were like mid-pandemic, I was seeing that happen, and uh, you know, and you started to see it happen when it started to lighten up over the summer, how things opened up, and more people were coming out, and and everything like that. But you know, now that it's kicking back up, and uh, you know, things are tightening up again.
1: Yeah, it'd be a good time to get out there and work your social media and create that brand. You know.
4: Well, yeah, that's, you know that's why I'm I'm uh, gearing up to, you know, with the live streams again.
1: Okay. Well, you know, I, well, I really.
3: Gonna
1: have to, there you go. Now, I, well,
3: I really, we're going to have to meet in uh, New Jersey or something, Frank, so we can do it together. I'm in uh, I'm in Louisiana and Frank's in Maine. So we got to figure out a
1: way. To, well, you way can to al- you can always do, do a Zoom Zoom connection, you know.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You know, and just it's rec- better if we're in the it's better if we're in the same room.
1: That's yeah. That. Yeah. Well, you know, I really appreciate you guys coming on the show and talking with me and uh we're gonna give everyone out there a double shot from your new release. You guys are gonna love this. You know, just turn it up loud, screw the neighbors, we're gonna have some fun. There you go.
4: Well we appreciate you having us, Richard. Uh, it was really uh generous of you to give us some time
1: anytime
5: yeah thank you thanks very much
1: my pleasure
0: and the rain keep on falling rising round my kitchen door rain keep on falling Rising around my kitchen door another rainy day in Seattle I can't stay here anymore I've been here most of my life, I never heard such a sound, I've been here most of my life, I never heard such a sound Earth began to tremble and those hills keep falling down Gonna pack up my clothes sweet mama Riding on that midnight train Pack up my clothes sweet mama Riding on that midnight train Where I get to ride, I'm gonna be better than all this rain All this rain's giving me the blues Gonna pack my clothes, with mama Won't forget my traveling shoes Now listen to that lonesome whistle Making good time along the track Listen to that lonesome whistle Making good time along the track One more kiss with mama Don't believe I'm coming back are with you wherever you go Hard times will follow you from door to door Oh 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 Oh, oh, oh. Lord People are running from Door to door But they cannot find no heaven Lord, know where they go money you had better be sure cause hard times will follow you from door to door Times have lasted so very long If I ever get up off this old killing floor I'll never get down this low no more
1: that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution.
0: Shout now on. Haunt-